Hey, this is James Cratch, Giants beat writer for the Star Ledger and NJ.com, and you are listening to JK, but seriously, Real Football Injury Talk. Welcome back to an all-new episode of the Heads and Tails Injury Report. We are covering the 2017-2018 divisional playoffs for the NFL season, and I'm here with my co-host Josh, as always, uh, bringing in all the expert knowledge uh, on all the ins and outs of the NFL. So, Josh, thanks for coming once again. You're welcome. And we're going to take you through each game from this past weekend uh, and kind of go through all the health and safety related uh, events that occurred and kind of lead us into our NFC AFC championship week uh, weekend coming up. So first game of the weekend was uh, Eagles Falcons. Eagles won this game 15 to 10. Uh, Not a whole lot going on in terms of health and safety. I was watching the game and I took a a video which I posted on Instagram uh, where uh, Mohamed Sanu drew an unwarranted, unnecessary roughness penalty near the goal line. Um, so, Josh, do you want to explain that one? Yeah, so, again, we talked about this, just the playoffs ones. We like, oh, we talked about this all year. We talked about this all year. So, uh, this play, he was in the end zone. I mean, it was about a yard in the end zone. Um, I think the the defenders kind of um, are more willing to take a shot at this especially even in the regular season or in the playoffs, because there's points. You know, if you if you break up the pass, okay, you might get a penalty, but you're saving a touchdown at least for now. Um, whereas if that plays over the middle of the field, they might let them let have it and give them 15 yards and move on with the drive. But um, like you said, judging from the Instagram uh, comments that you – and you had a lot. There was probably close to 20 comments on this. Um, most agree that it was clean, even though it was flagged. But to me um, – I didn't see this play real time. Obviously, Sanu's just running a uh, little post pattern. He's right in the middle of the end zone, a yard or two in, um, and the safety comes and tries to break up the play. Yeah, kind of, kind of dives at him and tries to break up the play. His arms are out; like he's almost even going for the ball. Also, it wasn't a great pass, um, but he got like upper bicep shoulder pad to kind of gra- graze his helmet. Right, and to me, this is when. And this kind of his visor kind of hits him on the way through too. Um, I would assume that a lot of this is a lot of that one was sound. I'm sure the ref heard that one. Because think about it, the, the the back judges who were throwing that flag in that situation. Um, if that plays in the middle of the field, he might be 20 yards behind him. Whereas where now he's on the back, he's on the back uh, edge of the end zone, and now he's only five yards behind him. He's going to hear that. And when they hear that plastic plastic hit in that scenario, close to the goal line, yeah. diving for a ball, yeah, yeah they throw it. So I agree. I um, it, at the at the end of the world or at the end of the day, it's not it's not the end of the world. I mean, there uh, you've seen this sometimes where you're erring on the side of caution. I mean, you, you, with this rule, you're going to have ones that you're going to have calls that are wrong. You're just going to, um, and right, which makes me think. I mean, the implications on these kind of hits in the NFL aren't as great as they are in college football. But in college football, they review those plays. So on this particular play. Um, there wasn't the opportunity to review it. No, it, it, like you're. So you're right. Um, in college, when they when they call targeting, they review it, and if it's not targeting, they not only do they take the ejection away, they take the penalty away too. So then the flag just gets picked up. Um, the the only thing I the problem with that in the NFL is if they start reviewing those, there's you. You've opened the Pandora's box of reviewing a flag. So if you're going to review a defenseless receiver flag. Like, can you review a holding flag? You know, I just I don't know if they'll be able to put 
put everything back in the box once they open it up. But yeah, if if that's a reviewable play. But I mean, I kind of go back to my thoughts on review that I shared last week was, okay, make everything reviewable, make flags reviewable to the best of your ability and make it so every coach has two two challenges just like it started two challenges if you get them both right you'll get a third nothing comes from upstairs targeting anything else so if you get a targeting penalty and your guy gets ejected your coach has to have a challenge in order to review it and see if he stays in the game it's not going to get reviewed automatically you have to challenge it um that's uh, it's kind of what i I, I think it would kind of reduce a little bit of the problem with stoppages and challenges. But uh, Just reading off some of the comments from that hit, um, our boy Brett Bonanno said, so clean, come on, Tresev. Brett's an Eagles fan, so of course uh, he would say that. And then um, Alex Short from episode 11, I think, uh, said, look clean, look like good D to me. Lots of cleans going on here. Um I got a garbage call. Can't touch anyone on offense anymore. Offense, I think he meant defense. Uh, he's going to knock the ball loose, not injure him. Uh, shown in slow-mo, of course, people would say dirty. Unfortunately, life is in full speed. Couldn't agree more. Uh, but at the end of the day, I also didn't my, – my question was, what do we think, think, folks? I never once said that I thought it was dirty. I just <laughs> – so – Whatever. We have posted mostly bad ones so yeah, far. That's true. Year, so. But no, I, I, I agree. I think, uh, but like I said, you're going to get, um, especially with the emphasis on it, you're going to get ones that are bad and until you can review it somehow. You're going to have to deal with deal with some bad calls sometimes. Evan said, Mr. Clean. Uh, uh, Chris Scotto. Uh, Zod the Bear said, shoulder again. Every time you post, they're clean. LOL for the most part. So, Maybe we don't post all uh, dirty ones there, Josh. Uh, camera angles can be weird, shoulder to shoulder. Um, yeah, so consensus is it was a clean hit. Uh, then we're moving on to uh, Devonte Devonta Freeman, uh, I guess, headliner, is that he played the end of the season with a MCL and PCL sprain in his right knee. So, I mean, he's a guy who runs harder than probably anyone in the league, in my opinion, uh, in terms of just, like, complete disregard for his own well-being. And this is just kind of further validating that that fact to me, is that he's he's really a team-first guy, I guess. But I wanted, I'm curious how long his career is going to be, if this is how it's, it's going to be every season, you know? Yeah, I mean, and a lot of it is – how hard he runs comparatively to his body type. I mean, he's – so he is 5'8", 206. He's not a big dude. And he moves. He runs pretty hard. Uh, he runs fast. I mean, he's he's got he's got some wheels. So, But, I mean, he runs like with the same style that Bettis ran with. But, I mean, Bettis was slow and probably 260. So he could take it a little bit more. But, um, like you said, it, yeah, it's a team guy. But he's also – he's valuable to them. And I think he knows that – Maybe that's his way to get one big contract. I mean, you don't see – I mean, we talked about Frank Gore once this year. You don't really see those type of guys anymore um, that are playing 14 years at, at running back and uh, consistently carrying the ball that much. Um, so, Freeman just finished his fourth, uh, fourth full season. Um, he's only missed – So, this is his contract year. Yes. So, that could be why – I, I think he got extended last year oh, after, okay. after the playoffs. Um, 
but like I said, so this is his fourth year, and he's only missed three games in four years. Um, he, All due to concussions? Mm, I don't think so. Uh, but he has. But he's ba- but he's been banged up. I mean, like 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 you said, he's he's been banged up a lot. But um, so he's got 750 carries in four years, and he's probably. Um, if he's fourth year in the league, he's probably 25, 26. Um, uh, that's one of the guys that I would be shocked if he makes it to 30 and makes it to 1500 carries. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like, um, he'll be able to, uh, continue taking the, taking the hits over the long haul, just like you said, uh, uh, based on how, 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 how he runs the ball. Um, so, uh, well, it's to be continued. Yeah. It's just something that keep track of as we go along here and see how we see our response next year. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy's fun to watch. And like, like I said, in, in previous Instagram posts and previous episodes, like he's got the talent, like he doesn't need to run as hard as he does in all situations. I think he kind of, he embraces that mentality and that identity. No, he definitely And I does. think it's going to work against him at some point down the road. No. Yeah. I, I agree with you in that aspect, but uh, just playing devil's advocate, it's, um, for the most part, like I said, I guess with, with with my comparison to Frank Gore is a lot of the running backs don't make it to thirty regardless of how they run. You know what I mean? If they're if you're starting running back in the league and you well, and that's just because of the way contracts are structured today. True. Also, I but uh, with the amount of touches that they get and how contracts are structured, most of them don't make it to thirty anyway. So if I think he thinks this is how he's maximizing his value to get two big contracts. Um, and that's it. I like, I don't, I don't know if a lot of these guys, especially these running backs, I think a lot of them realize like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get between, if I'm starting, I'm going to get 20 touches a game. I'm going to get between, uh, 250 and 400 touches a year. Right. Um, so if I can, if I can play, whatever way is going to get me the biggest contract and I, and I know I'm going to be done by the time I'm 30. And then I, I, I know it, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's, it's kind of unrealistic to think these guys are, these guys aren't playing until they're 34, 35. You're, yeah. Anymore. It's basically what, basically what you're saying is like, it's not necessarily in their best interest to, to save think, themselves. Yeah, yeah, to save themselves for yeah. the long haul yeah. because it's not but, chances yeah. are they're not going to be there yeah. anyway regardless if they're healthy or not. Yeah. So it's like it's it's in in Freeman's case it's um okay, I I'm going to save myself to get an extra one one or two years on the back end, but I might not get those years anyway. Right. So I like that. I, I think Good that, point, that's, Josh. That's just kind of the other the other side of it. Yeah. Uh, so next game of the weekend was uh, Patriots Titans. Patriots won this game pretty easily, 35-14. Um, couple injuries here to talk about. We got Adrian Waddle's knee. Uh, no video on this one, but um, I didn't see that one. What do you think the implications will be um, for the the Patriots? For the offensive line, I mean, the Patriots are one of those teams where it just seems like whoever they put on the offensive line, they're just fine. You know, it seems like they're one – and it's the same way with their defense at the beginning of the year is they were bad and everyone says that it's all doom and gloom and then by the end of the year they're they're fine. 
um, find enough, at least from a points perspective, where they, they, they figure it out. Um, it seems the same with the offensive line. There's been years where their offensive line has been terrible the first half of the year, and that's their biggest weakness, and that's why they're not going to win. Um, and then by the end of the year, it doesn't matter who's playing on there. They don't give up any sacks. So a lot of it is how the offense is run. But uh, in terms of injuries for the Patriots, uh, any offensive line injury seems to be always pretty insignificant for them. All right. Uh, and then – couple injuries that are now kind of irrelevant or not to them but to the NFL playoffs a couple injuries on the Titans Uh, apparently Mariota injured his quad um, but he's been banged up all year and really his whole career so yeah Um, and the other injury for the Titans was uh, their right tackle Jack Conklin who's a really good player for them and he tore his ACL in in the first quarter of the game just on a regular Run play, and we have a link on. to a link of to a video, double link video, double link video um, on the website. I mean, that's those are the tough ones where when you tore, when you tear an ACL in the playoffs, now you're looking at you hope, might not be back for yeah, hopefully opening game, yeah, definitely not by training camp. Hopefully you're you're not missing any time next year. So that's that's a tough one for for the Titans. I mean, it hurt him, it that hurt him in the game, like like we kind of said last week. Their only chance to win was to run the ball and have Mariota run the ball too. But And then going back to the Mariota, Mariota injury, um, their head coach came out after the game and said he had a third down run in the first quarter that he got a first down on 10 or 12 yards, and he said he hurt his quad on that play. Um, so when we, we've talked about Mariota this year. It just seems like he can't – whenever he runs, he gets hurt. And that's his that's his style. Like he needs to run to be – Effective. Effective, exactly. Yeah, if he can't run – He's not a good enough quarterback to win consistently for them. Right. He, as as a pure thrower, he's just not he's he's not good enough, and he and he can't extend plays long enough um, to 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 make plays. So it, it'll be interesting. And they didn't they parted ways with their head coach. So it'll be interesting to see who they bring in if it's an offensive guy and what kind of system they run because. Um, Will Mariota fit into that system? Yeah, it's but it's one of those things where you kind of have to fit your system to him. Because he's your guy? Yeah, because he can't really do much. I mean, like you said, he's not going to be a pocket guy. He's just he's just not. But at the same time, um, if you try to fit your system to him, which involves him using his legs and moving around, and then he continues to get hurt, then what kind of system do you really have? So, um it is. It's. He'll be an interesting career to follow. I just. I. I can't see him ever improving as a thrower enough where he can change his game to be a really, really productive quarterback without throw or without running. But um, like we said, I think a lot of it is how just how he's built. He's just. He's just. He's small, and that's. And um, we'll probably talk about this a little bit at the at going into next year, but um, it's what worries me with some of the quarterbacks that everybody likes in next year's draft class. The your Baker Mayfield and your Lamar Jackson. I mean, the only guy in the past ten years that can really run and take the hits is Cam, and he even he gets banged up, but he's so big and so physical that he's able to do it. Um, no one else really seems to seems to be able to come in the league and, and last and, yeah. yeah and run around and, and and stay healthy um no matter how good of an athlete you are i mean it's a it's it's there's a different level of athletes when you get to the nfl oh if tim tebow got actually got a chance we, we, might, be, <laughs> we, might, we might have another one out there but 
if you if if you combined Mariota and Tebow, you would have had something. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying there's a chance. Well, if maybe, they have kids, maybe one, one more. Maybe one, if you combine Mariota, Tebow, and maybe one other guy with a little bit better of an arm, you would you would have had a quarterback. So we're really pushing it now. Yeah. Now you're combining three guys. <laughs> Tebow, yeah, we're, we won't get into Tebow. That's a whole different. I won't. Yeah, because he's too good to you talk about. You opened up Pandora's yeah. box. I'm yeah, you're a Pandora. I'm not doing Go it. Go listen to Pandora, dude. I'm not doing yeah, it. I just finished up on Mariota. He had a broken leg in 2016. He had a hamstring, knee, and shoulder issues this year. So, at least now he has some time to heal up and hopefully work on that throwing game a little bit more. Uh, then we got the next game of the weekend was our favorite, uh, Jaguar Steelers. <laughs> yeah. Josh was fortunate enough to be at that game. Yeah. Uh, Jaguars won that game 45-42. It was an exciting game to watch, I will say that, but unfortunately Josh's team was on the wrong end of that one. A uh, couple injuries to of note. We had uh, Fournette's ankle, which people seem to be pretty excited about on the Steelers' side uh, early in the game. Like they're, they're the, the players? I'm just saying, like, in general, like, on Twitter, yeah. Steelers fans are all excited. I heard people were, like, cheering and stuff that he was, like, hurt. I don't know. I, I don't think anyone's cheering. You were there. The, you tell us. I didn't hear anybody cheering at the yeah, game. Yeah, okay. Um, I, 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 just saw, I just saw him limp off. I didn't even see the highlight of it because he just got, like, got his ankle twisted. Um, he missed probably the most of the second quarter, I guess, the second half of the second quarter. Um, and he came back He came back after halftime and played the rest of the game and seemed fine, so – yeah, he, he seemed like he was okay. and uh, He was actually in a car accident today, which apparently he was also okay from. So a lot, lot going on for, for Leonard Fournette going into the NFC or AFC uh, championship game. Uh, another injury of note, and this is actually going into this game too, is Paul Puzlozny, uh Jaguars linebacker, has an abdo- abdominal injury that will probably require surgery at the end of the season. So it sounds like it's a pretty painful thing that he's going through. He played. I know he played. That's he what played. I'm saying. I think yeah. that he had this injury also going into this past yeah. weekend's game. Yeah, I think I think they're just kind of slowly more details emerging about what it was last week. Um, but I would assume he'll play again this week if he played last week. So it's yeah. one of those pain tolerance things. Yeah, I feel like that's not a that can't be an easy thing to play through because like you're you use your core for like everything. Yeah, it feels like he he can't run. He can't do anything without being in pain probably. So. Uh, another injury is Dante Fowler, Jags DN with a shoulder injury, and I think he he's been having like shoulder problems like his whole career. Am I right? Uh, he was he was their uh, top five pick two years ago. He tore his ACL in minicamp and and missed his whole rookie season. Um, I, I can't I can't say for sure what he if he's how healthy he's been this year. Um, uh, he he's an important part. I mean they all all four of their. Um, defensive linemen and why their defense is so good it's just they they're able to get consistent pressure bringing four guys without without blitzing so I mean yeah their 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 corners are really good and their secondary is really good but um when you're playing man with your corners and dropping seven guys back in the in the coverage and able to get pressure on the quarterback with four guys um it makes your secondary look even that much better and he's one of the, uh, he's one of their main four guys that is able to kind of get pressure off the edge that um, enables their defense to be so good. It just it's just a it's just a numbers game when you can when you can 
bring four guys to whoever many you're blocking on the offense, five, six, seven, and still get to the quarterback, um, you, you have – you have more guys in the secondary than they have receivers out for routes. So, uh, I mean, that, it, that uh, that's the main reason why their defense has been so uh, successful this year, I think. All right, and we got uh, another injury for the Jags. Uh, well, Dante Fowler didn't come back to the game, so we'll have to wait and see uh, what his status is going to be going into this weekend. Uh, and then we have another injury for the Jags. There's uh, Tashawn Gibson. Uh, the safety, I believe he had a foot injury. Uh, he did not return also. Yeah, there's, I mean, those are two not big-name guys, but important important pieces to them. And uh, it'll be – you know how the Patriots the Patriots operate if when they find the weak link on, on every team's defense and they exploit it. So, I mean, if we one or both of these guys aren't able to go, um, I'm sure they'll, they will target whoever the backup is. The same with if Pozlesny um, – can't play or misses a series they're going to target whatever um whatever the backup or the weakness is on the other team so it'll just be interesting to see there all right and then somewhat injury related to this game is there's a big comeback for antonio brown and to me it's really uh evidence of what a little rest and recovery can do for someone he really came out and had had himself a great game yeah so there were i was he practiced we, – we talked about this on the podcast last week. He practiced Monday. He practiced Wednesday. He practiced Thursday. And then Friday he didn't practice, and they said it was uh, – he was sick. So they said he, he, he had the flu, and they, they sent him home. Um, I was very skeptic of, of this. They've done this in the past um, where they almost – Phantom flu? Yeah, they make, up, they make up excuses of why their guys aren't at practice when they're really hurt. Um, they did this last year in the playoffs with Le'Veon Bell. Um, when he had his groin injury again, going into the Patriot game, he missed practice because uh, I think Wednesday he was sick, and then Thursday he flew to California because his girlfriend was having a baby, and then missed the practice Thursday, Friday, um, and then he got to the game and he was hurt. Like, but he wasn't going to practice anyway. But they, so I, they didn't really make up a reason. There was a real reason, but it wasn't the actual reason, you know. So um, when he didn't practice Friday, I was I was concerned. Um, that he was, wasn't as healthy as everyone said at the beginning of the week. Um, and as it got closer to the game time, all the, a lot of the national media guys like Schefter came out and were reporting that he's not close to a hundred percent. He's going to try to play. Um, I mean, it looks fine to me. I, I, I thought he looked a little bit, I thought he looked a little bit gimpy, but I mean, it's amazing what, I mean, he still had two touchdowns and probably over a hundred yards. And, um, it's, it's amazing how well he did while probably still not being close to a hundred percent. Um, it just, it shows you how, um, how good of an athlete he is and how good of a receiver he is. So, um, disappointing. He wasn't a hundred percent for these last couple of weeks. Um, but that's, that's the way football goes. Either way, it's nice to see him come back after after an injury and have find some success out there on the field. Yeah. I think there's just just the biggest difference from and just being at the game is when he was when he was uninjured at 100%, he wouldn't come off the field. Um I mean, he would he would run a 60-yard go route and be back in the huddle for the next play. Um, especially in the second half when they were playing from behind, yeah, he would he would go out on his route on first down, and if he was further than twenty yards down the field, he would take himself out and come back in on third down. So, so, so he wasn't a hundred percent. You're saying? Well, I I just I don't think he was he wasn't able to play every every snap like he like yeah like he usually is, and and some of that's probably conditioning for yeah from, been from, out for a couple of weeks yeah, yeah. From, from missing a couple of games. So, um, but I think it's just a little bit of combination. 
All right. Uh, last game of the weekend was an exciting one. Vikings-Saints. Uh, Vikings won this one 29-24. A um, couple of health and safety-related issues uh, in this game. Uh, first off, it w- there was a hit on uh, Sendejo, the safety for the Vikings, who we've talked about on the podcast a couple times this season for yeah, initiating some, some illegal yeah. hits. He got suspended for a game. Yep. Um, and now – the, the tides turned a little bit on this one where uh, the Saints wide receiver was kind of running like a a little skinny slant yeah. type uh, play. And Sendejo was keying the, the fullback coming out of the, the backfield, running out into the flat, and he just got blindsided yeah. and was knocked out cold on, on the field. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on this particular hit? What were the wide receiver's intentions? Um it was initially a flag was thrown for I guess unnecessary roughness and it was eventually picked up. Um, but what what were your thoughts from this hit? So just a little more detail. So uh, what the Vikings like to do with Lewis Sendejo is almost use him as a linebacker, even though he's a safety. So um, when you think safety, I mean uh, you're probably thinking uh, he's 20 yards off the ball, deep in the backfield. So, but uh, especially on running downs, they'll use him. He lines up in a linebacker spot. So on this play, it was since the since the Saints had a. They were in their big personnel, so they had a fullback and a running back in the backfield. Um, Sandejo was basically where your where your uh, middle linebacker would line up if you're playing three four with two middle linebackers. Uh, he's like he's five yards off the ball, kind of over the over the guard. So when the fullback just kind of flares out towards the sideline, Sandejo is running hard to keep up with to close to close, close the gap. Yeah, to close and make a play if they throw it to the fullback. And uh, I think it was Michael Thomas. Um, was running, uh, just running a slant, and to me, it, it, I mean, you don't really, you'll never know for sure. You're not in his helmet, but to me, it looks like he's just running a, the wide receiver's just running a slant and looking in at the quarterback. Um, Sandejo's looking at the fullback the whole time, and is they they run right into each other. It's just like a, a head-on collision. And Sandejo gets the the brunt of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think the wide receiver sees him at the at the last second um he doesn't have enough time to move or get out of his way and he just kind of holds his ground um and almost tries to protect himself a little bit by throwing his arms up and uh, like i said sandejo never saw him um and not that not that it's completely on him but i mean it's have your head on a swivel yeah, dude you see to to some some x because i mean we you see a lot of times where a lot of Teams in the NFL run pick plays now, so your wide receiver or your tight end or whatever is specifically getting in the way of a position like or a guy like Sandejo so they can throw the ball out in the flat and there's no one there covering him. I, I don't think this was this, this type of play um, because they ended up actually throwing it to Thomas, who was running the slant uh, after after the, 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 the collision. So um, I don't think it was a pick play. I don't think the wide receiver did it on purpose. Um, it's just kind of a – unfortunate yeah when I first saw the play I kind of thought like just from my rec basketball days when someone trying to set a pick on you you kind of see in the corner of your eye like the guy setting the pick so you kind of like lower your shoulder a little bit just to show them that like they're not going to do that again on you um and I thought that that might have been the the intent but I think it was more his body language the the wide receiver's body language after the hit that kind of made me think that it wasn't intentional like he wasn't like he was standing over him like uh Juju Smith uh in the week 13 um hit that we talked about but uh I think it was pretty harmless just like a 
unfortunate event that happened. Yeah, I think the wide receiver was almost as surprised as anybody that yeah that he was there. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, another injury, or um, yeah, another injury. So I think Sandejo is in the concussion protocol. So I'm not sure what his status is going to be for this weekend coming in, but he seems to be a pretty key player on that defense. So. Um, you think that'll have some some implications if he's if he's out? Yeah, because like, like I said, they use him in a lot of different ways. I mean, they they, they and both their safeties. I mean, that's why uh, Harrison Smith is such a good player. But they use both those guys, and they're almost interchangeable. There, where they can move up in the box, play deep, cover tight ends, cover wide receivers, cover half of the field, and and come up and stop the run also, and play play as a linebacker. So um, obviously, if he's out, it's it's a big hit for them, but. Um, their biggest thing is going to be trying to score some score some points against the Eagles' defense because I think everyone was severely underestimating them last week um, for for reasons that I don't really know. So, all right. Uh, so next injury up in this game is uh, Shamar Steven, Minnesota defensive tackle, uh, with a knee injury. Uh, I think it's been stated that. I don't think he, it's not an ACL injury, um, but he basically just got rolled up on on a uh, interception um, that Drew Brees threw earlier in the game. And I have a video up, but it's kind of hard to see anything that actually happened. So <laughs> I, I just have basically the play. You can kind of see him like the bottom half of the screen kind of go down, but you don't see like anyone actually roll into his legs. Yeah. Um, so oh, yeah, yeah, you can see it. It's pretty pointless. But either way, you can see the play that happened on. Yeah. Um, Another another hit to the defense potentially, so the the Vikings could be going into this game, you know, a couple men down. So we'll see what what uh what that means against the Eagles. Uh, another event from this game, which I think everyone in America saw, was uh the last play of the game, um, where Diggs scores the touchdown, but Marcus Williams, the safety on the Saints, missed a tackle that you know, let him free. And basically if he made a tackle, they probably would have won the game. Uh, so there's a couple of things that I thought of when I saw this particular play. And if you haven't seen the play, it's obviously up on our blog. So uh, go check it out. Uh, but the first thing that came to mind is I saw him with his head down. He kind of like launched himself and with his head down, like just tackling blindly, which we've talked about a lot you know, throughout the season and how tackling blindly leads to a lot of these severe collisions that we see. Now, in this case, he just completely whiffed and didn't hit anyone. Um, so my initial reaction was, oh, well, you know, he was trying to go for the big hit, put his head down, didn't see what he was tackling like you're taught, and he just missed, and that's why they lost. But the more I looked at it, the more I kind of thought, like, now there's more stuff going through this guy's head at this point in time than, yeah. uh, than just, like, tackling blindly, like – you know, had he hit the receiver before he caught the ball and drawn a um, pass interference penalty, you know, they the Saints probably would have lost the game too. You know, from yeah. from a field goal. Uh, other thing about this tackle is like he couldn't tackle him out of bounds because if he stops the clock, then there's still potential that the um, Vikings could win the game on a field goal. So basically, the only thing he could have done in that situation that would have prevented something like you know, this play from happening is letting the receiver catch the ball and just bear hug him until, you know, time runs out kind yeah. of kind of deal. So I, I, I feel bad for, for Marcus Williams in, in that scenario, but 
you know, he's getting, he's like the, the butt of many jokes um, on Instagram and Twitter. But, you know, what what were your thoughts, uh, Josh? 840 views on uh, on your gram post. Yeah. It's pretty good. People like the videos. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I agree with everything that you said. I mean, it's, I don't think it was as much of a defenseless receiver thing as it was, uh, like, I don't think he was afraid of hitting him in the head as getting a defenseless receiver penalty. Um, I think he was afraid of hitting him early. Like, he got, he got and he, I, to me, he was, I'm sure he was thinking about so many things that it kind of just, he almost, it looked like he just froze um, and didn't want to do the wrong thing. And it ended up being the wrong, doing thing. the wrong thing. Because, um, like you said, in, in that situation, if he makes contact early and they get a penalty, whether regardless of if the clock ends up running out or not, they're going to get one more play, even if the clock runs to zero. Um, if he waits and Diggs is able to just catch it and shrug him off and get out of bounds, there's probably going to be a second left and they'll get a kickoff. Um, like you said, the only thing he would have been able to do was really time it a little bit better so he's just making the tackle and pushing him back in bounds as, as the clock's running out. But, but once he got there as early as he did – you, I. It seems like he was afraid to make contact at all, and and not get a penalty. Where at the same time his angle was such that he was going to try to keep him in bounds. Right. And then when it was just a, he had, I, he, he he didn't have that outside in leverage. He was inside out. Like yeah, because in most cases you never want to be right out, out, outside in. But right, the, but the, the sideline's your friend. Yeah. yeah. But in this case, with the Vikings having no timeouts, you're trying to keep them out, off the sideline and in play. Right. So it's a pr- it's a play that you're not really practicing. You don't. I mean, you're never. I'm sure he. Um, I can almost guarantee that never in his life uh, has he been in this situation where a guy's catching a ball on the sideline and he, he's trying to keep him inbounds right. while making a play and, and momentum's and the receiver's momentum's going out of bounds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really hard play. Yeah, really hard play. Yeah, it was a, it was a bad combination of 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 lots of things, and like like you said, I think to me it just looks like he thinks he's he was there too early and didn't want to make contact to draw a flag and almost ducked out of the way. But the angle he was taking um, was like I said, the right angle if he was there on time to keep him in bounds. But then when he was early and got out of the way, the angle took him away from the play, and there was no one left there to. Yeah, I think the only thing. I mean, maybe health and safety related is always see what you hit. Because maybe in that situation, had he had his head up, he might have not taken out his own player that could have made the tackle. Yeah. But, I, it, but 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 if you look at it, it's like his head is up almost the entire time until he tries to, like you said, get out of the way. So his head's up, and his and he, it to me, if he was, if the timing was better. And he wasn't there early. He would have made a perfect play. He would have tackled head up. But if 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 you look at it, as soon as his head goes down when he's trying to avoid contact, not trying to make contact, because he's he's obviously not trying to make contact. He's almost he's trying to avoid contact and get out of the way so he doesn't get a penalty. And that's kind of when he almost balls up and puts his head down. Right. His head his because because you can see he gets low and his head's up and you can see because he can see the ball and you can see the receiver in front of him and the ball's not there yet and he's at the receiver. So he puts his head down and ducks his shoulder to try to not hit the receiver. So it's it's he didn't drop his head in the act of making a tackle. He dropped his 
curled up in the act of trying to not make any contact, yeah. which is just an unfortunate. Is just an unfortunate. But like you said, when he did that, he also took out his other teammates. Yeah, I, I think I'm more saying like going into making a tackle like controlled, like under control, like with yes. your feet underneath you and like ready yeah. to make like a solid tackle. And I feel like in that situation, yeah. But also, that's not necessarily what happened. Yeah, but I like I, he was probably you can't see it in this video, but he was probably coming from so far away that he also didn't have a lot of breakdown the, the, speed, the time to break down and really. Well, you're saying he was there too early. He might have had a little time to break down. Yeah, you're right. Uh, all right, we 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 good with that play. Yeah. Oh, and for for the listeners, go to the blog and watch the the video to the to to this play. But with the Titanic music in the background, it's honestly like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's 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 good. I'll watch it. I haven't watched it yet. Um, okay, Josh, you got some previews for us? Game yeah, previews. We'll rifle through the previews, especially the AFC one, because I probably won't even watch it. Um, Me. Jags, Pats, three o'clock, first game in New England, seven consecutive, uh, seventh consecutive AFC Championship game for the for the Patriots. So boring. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, that's 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 all I'll say about the Patriots. And so three o'clock, uh, like, I don't know if, if the if the Jags are able to do something similar to what they did last week against the Steelers offensively, um, play action screens and get a lead, uh, the game will be competitive because you know their defense is going to be um, going to be good enough to at least contain Brady enough. Um, if they fall behind. Um, then obviously they're 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 in trouble. But I mean that was that was the biggest biggest thing in the Steeler game. It was uh, they 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 got the kickoff. I guess I think the opening kickoff went out of bounds. I missed it actually. But the Jaguars started with the 40s. Too busy. So I'm assuming eating they, wings in the well, parking lot, Josh. The line to get in the stadium was longer than expected. But so they started at the 40 and they went play action, play action, play action, and all like play action with one with a simple one receiver read uh first play of the game play action fullback out in the flat 15 yards second play action tight end over the middle 15 yards um and then they ended up getting fourth they scored a touchdown on fourth and goal from the two where they went for it um and got up seven nothing Fournette flew into the end zone yeah and then uh Steelers Steelers punted Jaguars punted Steelers got the ball back Ben threw an interception Jags start at the 15-yard line. They score there. Now they're up 14-0. Now the game's completely um, the, going to be played the way they wanted it to be played. So, I mean, yeah, their defense gave up 42 points to the Steelers. But, I mean, second half they were they were throwing the whole time and obviously trying to come back. Um, so, uh, like you said, I, I, I think it will be competitive. I think it will be close. But um, Bortles and the offense has to have a similar game plan from a easy, easy throw – ball control type of offense um and even though they won a high scoring game against the Steelers, i think this the game against the pats for them to have success needs to be probably played in the low 20s all right uh what do you got for vikings eagles um i mean i would i i think this is a pretty even even game i mean i i was i was really surprised as the week went on last week how little a shot everyone gave the eagles um against the falcons um I think a lot of it was more on the Falcons than it was on the Eagles. Uh, obviously, no one really trusted Nick Foles to do anything, but he, he played really well, uh, especially in in the second half. You could see that he was starting to get really comfortable and uh, was getting the ball out and going through his reads, and they were moving down the field a little bit more consistently. Um, and everyone, the Falcons won one playoff game, and everyone thought that they were the same team that they were last year when they were scoring 35 points a game and going and went all the way to the Super Bowl. Um, their offense was inconsistent all year. 
Um, so to me, it wasn't surprising that they only scored 10 points, especially considering how good the Eagles' defense is. Um, to everyone else, it seemed like they were going to find a way to magically score 27 points last week. Um, so, and the Vikings seem to be, like I said, the defenses match up really well. Um, you have to give the Vikings a slight edge offensively, but um, you got you got Keenum still there. You're, I think everyone's waiting for him to just kind of revert. Back to his – I wouldn't say revert back to form because he wasn't ever a bad quarterback, but just have a game that you kind of expect him to have and throw a couple picks, especially against pressure and uh, um, the defense that, that, that the Eagles have. So uh, I would expect this to be a very similar game to what the, the to what the Eagle-Falcon game looked like. Low scoring, maybe in the high teens, um, and, probably, and probably back and forth at the end. But um, it's just – it's – from the playoff standpoint, it's amazing that you got Brady left and then Bortles, Case Keenum, and Nick Foles. Every, Drops off quick. Everyone talks about how, oh, you need the quarterback, you need the quarterback, you need the quarterback to win in this league. So, I mean, it, 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 well, it, at least in the Eagles' case, they had Wentz yes, for the majority mostly, of the yeah. season. Yeah. yeah. But, and, and, and Keenum's played like, uh, obviously, like a Pro Bowl, all pro quarterback all, all, all year long. Um, but can you imagine a Super Bowl that's like Bortles versus Nick Foles? <laughs> can you imagine how, how good of a Super Bowl that would be? I don't know. But um, we'll talk about it if it, if, if it comes to that. But um, hopefully, like I said, I, I might abstain from the AFC game and nap through it. But I'll Abstain. That's a good uh, yeah. SAT word. I'll definitely watch the NFC game for sure. Kind of, right. kind of room for the Eagles. As much I'll be as watching both, so I'll make up for Josh's. Uh, lack of watching the AFC game. Yeah. Lick your wounds, Josh. Uh, let us sink in a little bit more for a week, and then we'll we'll be back for the Super Bowl. All right. Yeah, it might it might take me a full two weeks for the Super Bowl, but I'll I'll be okay eventually. All right, and everyone, give uh, give Marcus Williams cut cut him some slack. All right. Yeah. Cut him some slack. <laughs> <laughs>